You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Hey, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Jackie and Megan. Where we like to talk about things that are messy, awkward, hard, or controversial and create a space for healing. Hey guys, welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Jackie and Megan. It's been a little bit since we've been sick and then busy and you know, life life gets in the way, but we are here to talk about, I actually don't know if this has been requested. I think we're just doing it. <laughs> um, Actually, what I think has been requested is everyone wants us to talk about our different canons of scripture. But, you know, we'll work on that one. That one is a little more intense, I feel. So this one, we're going to talk about our different views on icons, which there was some drama about that recently between Gavin Ortland and then some other Catholic YouTuber apologists. Yeah, but, really? Yeah. Well, Gavin, he had a video that said, this alone will make you Protestant. And that it was icon veneration. <laughs> I was like, you you use that Full clickbait. Stop. You use that. <laughs> Which is funny to me because I think neither of us have like that strong of opinions toward it. <laughs> not like that. Oh, There's really? other things that I think we would both be like, no, this, you could not be Protestant. Or you should be Protestant. Like the Pope. <laughs> but icon veneration, I feel very like okay <laughs> some people it is like a huge thing but I think it is cultural which is kind of what I was seeing when I was reading it um some cultures and I think that's kind of apparent in just the way that they worship or I don't know yeah I think it is more intense for them and can be more jarring to someone sometimes it's jarring to me and I don't think that icon veneration is wrong. So, um, yeah, it's definitely like we both come from a very Western context, right? Um, and so An we're gonna interact context. with it. Yes, a Western American. Yeah. So, yeah, it is definitely interesting when you look into different cultures and how they, and we'll kind of like talk about this too. Yeah, but even just how they view signs of honor versus like worship so yeah right super interesting yeah very interesting well Megan what is an icon for anyone that's wondering we're not talking about me who is an I a legend and icon we're talking about religious icons <laughs> yeah it is kind of like a term now people use in like pop culture is like oh iconic or like oh what an icon but mm -hmm. Originally, it was a uh, painting of either Jesus or a holy figure like Mary or a saint. Um, I believe the traditional style was on wood, mm -hmm. like way back in the day, <laughs> way back in the olden days. Mm -hmm. And yes, so it's an image of a holy person that is 
venerated and is seen as like an aid to devotion. Would you say that's correct? Yes, it definitely is supposed to be an aid to your worship, to your devotion, which we'll talk about the difference between those two words as well. Um, But yeah, I also think it can apply now to the way that we treat statues because that's a huge thing also in Mm. maybe more in catholic churches because i i when i go to greek orthodox or eastern catholic churches and i could be mistaken but they i mean they're like the star of icons their walls are from the floor to the ceiling covered in icons and there's there there's is more just like images not exactly statues but i do think also statues can kind of come into this yeah i i don't think statues are very much in orthodox yeah i think that's very much more catholic um mm-hmm. i know with greek orthodox or not greek just orthodox eastern orthodox um icons are very much seen as like a window to heaven mm-hmm. which might be the case for catholics too um but that like i remember when I like visited Greece in college for school, we went to um, a museum that had all of these like crazy, crazy old icons. And they were talking about how they would even like try and paint the people to like not quite look like people. Like just the artistic style was supposed to look like not someone you would see on earth because mm-hmm. it was supposed to be like a window to heaven. So that was like something interesting that I was not familiar with growing up in a very Protestant context of like using images in that way. So I don't know if that's as emphasized in Catholicism or not. Yeah, that's hard to say in Catholicism because Catholicism is so different culture to culture and what is emphasized. My own personal experience growing up in a very Western, like American context of Catholicism uh, was more that it just was a thing that we did and it it wasn't exactly as much we always had a lot of religious imagery around the church that I grew up in and it's a beautiful church there's stained glass everywhere and lining the walls are these stained glass images and each of them is an image of a saint and it wasn't that we ever venerated them well we couldn't exactly it just that wasn't really their purpose they were all the way up you know they were something to look at that was beautiful to remind us of the saints and what they that they are a cloud of witnesses around us and so forth um but then we did have statues which this is what's very common in uh, catholic churches as well as images but honestly more what i am used to seeing are statues where there's a little kneeler in front of it and then there's candles on the sides where you go up and you light a candle as a prayer request or petition um, to God or for the intercession of whatever saint is there. We do have images. It's very common to have an image of Our Lady of Guadalupe here of the churches in Chicago. Um, But I just like growing up, I didn't really think about it too much because there definitely were in my church, but they weren't super emphasized. Like my church was St. Agnes. And so there was a statue of St. Agnes in the back that you could light a candle for her intercession, but it wasn't overemphasize it all in my church like venerating those I every once in a while would see someone kneeling and praying for something but it wasn't until I moved to Chicago oh and oh and then we also always had veneration of the cross on Good Friday 
um, which I think was a very, I think that's the one that most Western Catholics could relate to um, because that is something that is, well, if you go to the service, it's not required that you go to the Good Friday service as a Catholic, but that's something I think is very common to do is to venerate the cross. And it's just a wooden cross and you can go up and touch the cross, kiss the cross, um, just simply kneel before it. That was the thing is you could choose whatever you wanted to do. You could walk up and just like look at it and then walk by. But it was just obviously Good Friday. We're remembering that Jesus died for us on the cross. And that was the purpose of it. And that was my first actual experience with having a very emotional and spiritual experience with icons because it just I don't know it, it feel I feel like it fulfilled its purpose for me and it's supposed to be you know remembering what Jesus does and I think as humans it's very powerful for us to be able to touch and to have visual aids and things in our worship which is why I really do appreciate icons and think that there can be a good place for um, veneration of, of icons so I felt like that was a very a powerful experience for me to be able to p kiss the cross and think about Jesus being on the cross and dying for us. Um, and then when I moved to Chicago, which I feel like it's more diverse, there's a lot of Catholics in different um, bubbles of Catholic culture and different, just different cultures. Um, and I do think I saw more of the way that especially um central and south american catholics like latina latinos they have a huge devotion to our lady of guadalupe especially in mexico and then um in the philippines that's another culture that's around here they have a huge devotion to saint jude which i had mm -hmm. never realized and so they do a lot more intense veneration of icons than i've ever been used to seeing which that's when i think it didn't, I wasn't like, oh, that's wrong. But I was like, whoa, like, that's a lot. I never, that's not something I've ever done. <laughs> like, we're very chill. I think that is just a very white American Catholic thing is that it's just not a part of our culture to be super into icons. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think you've probably noticed the same thing, Megan, in certain bubbles of Catholicism that they treat icons differently. I feel like as I've brought you around to things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely interesting because I grew up in, I think, what would be safe to say, a very iconoclast church. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they had no religious imagery anywhere. Um, That's crazy for my Catholic brain. Except the cross. They had one cross in the sanctuary. Yeah. And, like, no images of Jesus, no images of people at all. Um, they were, like, very, very cautious about it to the point where I remember and like this is like very distinct for me they Christmas time is usually when Protestants start to be okay with religious imagery mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so you know people would set up nativities and we had a nativity in the church and they took the baby Jesus out because they were like oh well we can't have any image of Jesus or anything um and they had like a whole like they pointed it out in service and like made a point to mention like why they took baby Jesus out and everything so there was just an empty manger in the nativity <laughs> so that was kind of my growing up um not my parents were never that way but they just like didn't really address it much so I just like didn't think about it I was just like oh yeah <clears throat> you know second commandment yeah. or first commandment you're not supposed to like 
you know, make images, whatever. Um, so it really wasn't until like college that I even really started interacting with it. I always loved religious artwork just throughout growing up. I loved church history. I loved learning about history. I loved art. So I loved like learning about it and looking into it. I just never considered really having it in churches. I did have a few, like I have one close Catholic friend and I went to mass with her like a few times and I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> um, like very much different. But yeah, it wasn't until college where I had professors who were very different. There were professors who were very against it. And then the professors who, like one guy, there was a Greek Orthodox church right across from Moody and yeah. he was like, oh, yeah, I go over there every, like, week to, like, sit in front of the icons. <laughs> it was like, what? <laughs> so just very different perspectives. And then I ended up studying abroad in Greece, which where we were studying, like, Greek Orthodoxy. Mm -hmm. And that was where I, I really came in contact because we talked a lot about the icon debate that occurred throughout history and kind yeah. of still to this day because it was so significant with like the east and west so that was kind of my interactions with it growing up so very different than you <laughs> and did you did you think in the catholic church that you went to i'm just interested did you see veneration of icons or was it more seeing in a lot of just religious imagery around i would well, definitely religious imagery around but yeah. it was venerating statues right okay um it wasn't really like icons I don't think it was until I went to an orthodox church that I actually saw venerating icons as in like an image like a mm -hmm. picture mm -hmm. I, I don't think I really saw that in catholic circles at least like in my small Wisconsin town <laughs> yeah yeah I would say it's not you wouldn't find that too much like an outright you're gonna see someone doing something venerating unless it's like lighting a candle or kneeling down but it's not as intense like I think it's a lot more discreet <laughs> it's not as as a big of a production I think most people I think that is really just a cultural thing um something else I didn't realize that when I was having this discussion I just couldn't even like fathom growing up in a world where you didn't have religious imagery and I thought how weird are the like the stations of the cross which I had never even thought about before I think you even made it might have done them with aid for women once at a retreat yeah. we did it never even crossed my mind that that would be weird to you at all because I just grew up doing it as a child. We would go to mass during Lent. It's a big thing during Lent for Catholics, uh, Stations of the Cross. And how weird that must have been. Like every Catholic church, I think this is just a thing, especially in, I don't know if this isn't outside of American Catholic churches, but all of them have Stations of the Cross. That's just something that's there it is just an absolute is that there are going to be the stations of the cross around, which is, which is Jesus's journey to Calvary. I think it's starting with his, um, I think most, a lot of them will start with the last supper and then him being betrayed and then all the way up until his crucifixion and then his resurrection. Um, but there's just images of that all around the walls of the churches and that I didn't even realize how weird that might be. <laughs> I remember. So in high school, for like my youth group we watched passion of the christ mm -hmm. which mel gibson is the one who made that film and he's very catholic and there was a mom of one of the youth who was mad 
because she did not like that movie and did not like Mel Gibson. She was like, that is a very Catholic movie. <laughs> and we were like, why? Like, what's Catholic about it? She's like, it goes through the stations of the cross. Duh. And I was like, what's that? Like, I'd never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. When I was doing this, I was like, wait, wait, is that weird to you? Like, have you never heard of that? It's just so funny. The things that we grow up with that you just wouldn't even think other people that you take take for granted or that is just a part of your life that you just don't even realize. That's funny because I've been friends with Protestants for so long and that's something that never crossed my mind that could be weird. And it's probably because most Protestants I've been around, they don't have issues with religious imagery, which I would say is that's a little more rare. So I think we need to make a distinction between having icons in a church and having religious imagery versus venerating icons and religious imagery because I think and this is where I have a hard time understanding where there's really any historical basis for being entirely against having icons just because that's been something that I guess I guess I understand because it has it can be it can veer there are times in history it's veered into an unhealthy worship of images but it's something that Christians have been doing in the catacombs like since the beginning of Christianity is having and making these images um And I would say that's something that you don't have an issue with. I mean, you have the image of Jesus behind you that. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Oh, never mind. (laughs) Yeah. I think that would be an interesting distinction to make is what is the difference between religious imagery and an icon? Because I think my understanding is that icons can be religious imagery but it is like the purpose of them is different. So like religious imagery um, could just be to like inspire or, oh, to illustrate or to teach. Whereas icons have a very distinct purpose. Like they are made for the use of veneration and devotion. Would you say that's right? I think, I don't think there's as much of a hard line generally like in the culture I don't think you would see something and immediately be like oh that's an icon or that's an image um I do think though that it is true that certain things are made specifically to be put in a church and to be venerated um and that's probably more of a very specific thing in the eastern world the eastern church I feel like because I just feel like in at least in, this is my experience that we just have images around and then you can go up like they, you can just appreciate them as images if you want. But then certain images or statues we would have around that you can use as an aid for your worship. Um, but I don't think there's like a really a hard line that's drawn a lot of times. Um, I think what's more important is that whatever you do, your intention of approaching the image is within what is appropriate for the image um which we can talk about that it doesn't lead into a superstitious or a worship or veer outside of that unhealthy um worship of an image which then it gets very technical and then it's like okay what does that look like and how can you know and a lot of times i don't guess you wouldn't really know unless you know the person's intention and what they're (laughs) what they're doing um, mm-hmm. so that's a little more culture to culture, but I wouldn't say that I really, there's like a very, there's certainly things that are made to be icons. That is true. But then I think it's kind of, you wouldn't just like see something and know, oh, that's an icon or, oh, that's not something I can use as a aid in prayer or something, but you are right. And that there are certain things that are made 
to the icons. And I think we do really see that in the Eastern churches, like very specifically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Maybe before you share like the Catholic view, I can just real quick say like what I'm okay with <laughs> just to like set yeah, the tone. Just to set the tone that we're more yeah. in agreement than someone that's like totally against religious images. <laughs> yes. Cause I, I think there is definitely a, wide variety of protestant perspectives so i can really only speak for myself yeah. um, because there are protestants like i said my church growing up who are very against any sort of imagery they view that is like against the 10 commandments uh-huh. blah 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 um yeah obviously yeah. that's not my perspective i i actually think it is wrong to like smash <laughs> religious imagery that was something we saw like post-reformation there was like iconoclasts who would destroy religious imagery i don't think that's good i think it's wrong um i think that religious art is definitely acceptable i think it deserves a respect um and i think there's a proper use of images in our spirituality and in our faith i just think there should be certain guardrails there which is probably where like the differences will come in um, because i wouldn't see that like venerating would be okay but having religious imagery to help teach, to help illustrate, you know, Bible truths, to even just like draw someone in. Images are very powerful, which is something I'll talk about later too, like why I want to be so cautious about it. But I think as humans, we respond to images. Mm. And so someone can understand like, oh yeah, the story of Jesus walking on water and then Peter walking out on the water and starting to sink and then Jesus helping him up. That's a very powerful story. But then to see it painted could bring it to a whole new light and to really like help it sink in like, oh my gosh, wow. Like it could help you put yourself in the place of Peter. So I think images can be very powerful. Um, I, yeah, I think I think I was thinking of it in the Eastern context where I was like, oh, that's different than icons. But like you were saying with Catholics, it's it's more blended and there's not so much of a distinction. Um, but yeah, I think my, what I would say, my view is religious imagery is good, important, helpful. It just shouldn't be venerated. And you would even say like, it's okay to have what Eastern Orthodox would consider icons. It's okay to have those things in your churches just you don't necessarily venerate them like you wouldn't have an issue with walking into like a greek orthodox that has a lot of icons to just have them in the church as you know like a visual reminder or such um but it just would stained be... glass windows i love i'm a stained glass window girly i want yeah. my future home to have stained glass I windows <laughs> i mean yeah that is i think that's something everyone can agree on and if you don't then well that's where we draw the line you, yeah you gotta go um you're <laughs> yeah you're out uh yeah stained glass that's just stunning and i do think that catholic churches i have i i eastern orthodox churches have i haven't been in enough they have do they have a lot of stained glass in greece megan mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and they're also really they're really big on domes that's like yes. very significant in their architecture. And so their domes are all like painted with different images. Yes. And so that yes. was like so beautiful because you go to different sections of the church have like different themed domes. <laughs> so it's like, oh, this dome yeah. is like yeah. Jesus on the cross. Whereas this dome is Jesus with his disciples. And this dome is Mary and the angel, like all that stuff. So yeah, they're very yeah, I that. 
I saw a lot of that in Europe um, when I was in Lourdes in France. I don't think there is a certain style that is very unique to Eastern um, Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy, but I do think the domes kind of traveled over uh, and there were certain like mosaics or like what you're saying, like different domes and the imagery. And I've seen churches in Chicago um, that have domes. I don't think it's quite the same as like, I went to an Eastern a Ukrainian Catholic church, which is an yeah. Eastern Byzantine right Catholic church. And that, yeah, it looked like you would think you were in probably an Orthodox church. Um, yeah. just very Eastern style, the, the dome, it's like a, it's a huge thing. Yeah. So yeah. We yeah even just architecturally, it's so interesting. I feel yeah. like Catholics, it's a lot pointier or <laughs> like, it's like arches or it's steeples, whereas Orthodox yes. is very much more domed and like circles, which I think just comes down to like the different architectures of the cultures and yeah. what they're trying to emphasize. But yeah. Yeah. That is a rabbit hole we could definitely go down because it's very fascinating. I took a whole class on yeah. like religious architecture and like the significance of how churches are made and like the symbolism. It's super fascinating. Yeah, I don't think anyone can ignore that churches and such have, I think, have used art in some of the best ways and some of the most extravagant yeah. and beautiful ways. And I think that yeah, I think churches do stained glass the best. I think you're not going to find. I went to La Grada, La Grada Familia, which is Sagrada, Sagrada Familia in Spain, which is a very, very famous uh, Catholic church, like worldwide people come. doesn't matter if you're Catholic or not. It's basically like going to a museum. Um, and the stained glass there is incredible, but that's not Eastern style at all. It's like his own, it's his own style of yeah. <laughs> church. Um, but yeah, I think that's an important distinction to make is that you are not saying that any images are wrong. No, it's more yeah. the line, I think, and I think this is even what, when I was reading the defense for icons was like, it's more common in, in Christianity in general, that there's not really an issue with having images. Like there's good historical basis for that. I think that anyone that really gets into history can agree that like, yeah, it's not wrong to have images. We can see in the Bible where it wasn't necessarily wrong. Um, it's more when that veered into unhealthy like adoration of those images or a weird superstition around those images or thinking that some kind of power comes from the image. Um, and that's where, so I'm going to read, I think the Catholic position, it can be summed up pretty well by catechism of Christian doctrine used in England by command of the Catholic bishops. And it's called the four answers numbers 184 to 187. And that kind of sums up the whole um, current position on it in the Catholic Church, which it is forbidden to give honor or worship to the angels and saints, for this belongs to God alone. We should pay to the angels and saints an inferior honor or worship, for this is due to them as the servants and special friends of God. We should give to relics, crucifixes, and holy pictures a relative honor as they relate to Christ and his saints and our memorials of them. We do not pray to relics or images for they can neither see nor hear nor help us. And I think that's an important distinction to make because when you see someone, and I think even the language that it, we use is like, oh, I prayed to this icon or, and mm -hmm. I think if you know what that means, like that wouldn't even trigger me. I'd be like, okay, yeah, they're like praying for the intercession or if it's an icon of Jesus, then they're just praying to Jesus. And it's like this reminder. But I think it, the issue comes in when, and I think this can be a misconception that they have of the actual Catholic position is not 
that the image itself has any power or the image itself can hear or see you or like if I want to pray to this saint, the saint can hear me better if I have the Im- the image there, you know, or like the icon there or Jesus, like, well, he can hear me better if I'm praying in front of the statue of him, then, you know, if I don't have that there, then, you know, he can't, he won't be able to hear me or whatever I'm praying for. If I don't absolutely go and light this candle at this, whatever image, like it's not, God's not going to hear me. He's not going to answer my prayer or whatever. Um, And I think that that is what I have seen more common in certain cultures is like, or at least from the outside, maybe it's not how they interiorly. So that was something they talked about is like the person's disposition is like very important because it varies from culture to culture so much of what is common to do in veneration of icons. Like I wouldn't say in the Western church, it's very common outside of very special veneration of the cross on Good Friday. It's not common to kiss an icon. Um, It's not common to be like, you know, touching all over it or whatever. It's like lighting a candle or like saying a prayer or something, but that is very common in other cultures. Um, yeah. So I lost my spot, but I think that there should be a distinction. And we talked about this when we talked about intercession of saints, or we talk a lot about this with Mary. Um, I think the, the word worship can get tricky because we distinguish between two different types of worship, which we've talked about this before. So if you hear someone saying like, it's okay to worship icons, I think language is very important because Mm -hmm. that can sound like, oh, you can only worship God. But I wouldn't even, I wouldn't use that word because I think it sounds, frankly, I think it sounds bad. (laughs) I prefer to use the words venerate, but there is latria worship, which is what we would call, call adoration. Um, and it's the kind of worship only due to Jesus, to God. And then there's dulia worship, which is what we think of when we say venerate. And that's to um, the saints or Mary. And even then we have to make a distinction that when you are praying in front of an icon, you are not at venerating the image. Like the image itself is not what you think has any of the power it's supposed to be this visual reminder or somehow like a I wouldn't say window to heaven actually never heard that but I kind of like that um, phrase (laughs) that it's supposed to be this like good visual reminder in front of you of the person that you are trying to venerate or Jesus that you're trying to adore or worship Um, but I think that that's where it can get weird I think if you see someone like kissing or like putting incense in front of an image it's gonna look like oh the power is in this image and I I mean I I get uncomfortable even when I see that because I'm like I hope they know that (laughs) there is no special power like Mm. in this specific image that they have and that if they like yeah I think that that is where I'm uncomfortable um but the actual position from the catholic church is quite modest um the position is that it is not wrong to have those images. It's not wrong to kiss or touch or pray before those images. What's wrong is if you're treating them as if they have some special power of their own or like I have an image of um, Our Lady of Guadalupe here um, that I don't really venerate. I think that I like, look and think it's like a beautiful statue. That's also a misconception is that you like have to venerate images as a Catholic. Um, it's more like, no, you have to have that proper respect and not be like, that's wrong. You can't do that. Um, but 
I wouldn't think like there's something that's coming from that. But I, I do think that's been an issue in certain cultures, which I think is part of like your issue with it is that it can, at times it can seem like, oh, but it's like a, it's a, it can veer into the unhealthy worship. So your view would be like, we just shouldn't allow it at all because it could lead to that, um, which I guess I don't have an answer for how to prevent that. <laughs> if like, I think icon veneration is fine besides just better education and like calling that out when you see it. Um, yeah. I don't know, Megan, what are your thoughts on yeah, I think for a Protestant, like you were saying, um, the Catholic position is very modest. And I know when I actually did learn like the Catholic position, I was like, oh, that's very easy to be comfortable with. Like, even if I disagree, I wouldn't say that's like wrong or sinful or heresy. But I think from just the outside observing yeah. when a Protestant sees Catholics or orthodox going up and like kissing images burning incense lighting candles it looks like a lot of other religions in different cultures like hinduism where they do have like idols right right and it's yeah, obviously yeah. not the same and i would never say it's the same um because like you were saying that intention is completely different but just from the outside looking in because the actions are the same, <laughs> it can be misinterpreted. So I think that's why I personally would not be comfortable with like bowing or kissing or lighting candles or those kind of things, just because I think personally, it just gets a little muddy when we start doing that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think to me, that just sort of like crosses the line. And like you were saying, you know, obviously with like proper intention, like I don't think you have ever like committed idolatry by praying in front of an image, but I would be like, oh, well, I'm not even going to do that right. because I right. don't want to risk it leading that, um, which is kind of like what we talked about. Oh gosh, what episode was it? I don't remember. It was one, it was like a Mary or Saints episode or something where it kind of came down to that where you were like, well, just because it can lead to bad practice doesn't mean we should not do it and I was like no I think we should not do it it's just kind of like right. okay well there you are <laughs> yeah and I think I can see the beneficial parts of it but I think it really can enrich the spiritual life whereas and that's like that's also probably a disagreement as I think it can be a very good and beneficial part of the spiritual life and maybe even like better <laughs> whereas you're like no I'm good <laughs> you know I don't need to do that um and I wouldn't say that like, oh, you're, you're in, your salvation is in trouble if you're not doing these things, which I think is where you can get confused is there has been language used in the church that I think was kind of just really going against iconoclasm, which it's like anathema. I think this was something that Gavin brought up, um, <clears throat> anathema to those that don't, you know, venerate images and do this, but the actual position is not that you have to, it's more mm -hmm. like if you are so like think that that's so wrong or like trying to stop people from doing that or like that's where they would have an issue and I think that was really emphasized at that time in history because like I, like I think there was people just overreacting to each other reactionary, um, yeah. reactionary which we could get all into okay was what they said infallible though like anathema to those that don't which I think was Gavin's issue with that 
And I think the position was, is that that like specific statement itself or around that, those were not like absolutely infallible statements. Um, and then we can get into, well, what did anathema mean at that time in history? That is just a whole rabbit hole that like, maybe if you guys wanted to hear us get into that more, like do Gavin style or, and then Trent Horn style where we really just like get into it. Um, that could be something, but I'm more like talking about what the actual like Catholic position has, has been and where we've landed. Um, yeah. And I think something else I also wanted to emphasize is when we're talking about veneration, there also are like different kinds of worship slash veneration where I think this might help is that the fathers of Ni the second council of Nicaea further distinguish between absolute worship and relative worship and absolute worship is paid to any person for his own sake. So think of like the type of veneration that you would give when you're actually that you want to actually give to a saint, like for the own sake of the saint and asking for their inter intercession versus relative veneration slash worship, which is for the image. And so absolute worship is paid to any person for his own sake. Relative worship is paid to a sign, not at all for its own sake, but for the sake of the thing signified. The sign in itself is nothing, but it shares the honor of its prototype. Um, and so if you're, but it matters how we teach Im images. And I think you would agree if we are disrespecting that image though, like that's a sign of like disrespecting the thing signified an image. And they use like the example of like disrespecting an American flag. That's very much can be seen as like disrespecting the country itself or like, like how you treat something that signifies or represents that thing does matter. So we also honor the prototype, what is being represented in the image by honoring the image of it. So I think that's where I see. So like in the case of outward marks of reverence visibly directed towards the sign, um, turn in intention towards the real object of our reverence, the thing signified. The sign is only put up as a visible direction for our reverence because the real thing is not physically present. And we are not to be like worshiping, absolutely worshiping the icon itself, but it's supposed to be for the object itself. So that's like very technical, but like that is, should be your inner disposition is realizing like, this image doesn't have any power itself and what I am either adoring if it's an image of Jesus or like what I am putting my worship toward is like why I am using this as a visual like aid or like icon but I think yeah I think it can be weird from the outside for sure because it can certainly look like oh it's this image itself um and then I think it gets even more complicated because then we disagree on like what is due to saints. So if you see an image of, which I think the biggest one, I think both of us have seen, especially in Chicago, where there's a very heavy Latino population is um, like veneration of the image, especially around her feast day, which was just on Tuesday. Um, Megan did not remember. Uh, Megan's was a bad Catholic for that. Um, uh veneration of the image of mary um of specifically of our lady of guadalupe and they like they drive around with this statue of her and they're like putting incense in front of it and like running to like kiss it and like pray and like that is a very cultural like a very very um uh, like mexican thing and latino thing to do i think that that's can even be jarring to some like just american catholics that that's just not the style of the way that we do things um and I would say that if like 
I would say if that's a temptation for you, like, I think each person has to know themselves. If that's like a temptation for you to fall into some kind of worship of something, then I think you should like steer clear of it. Um, But I guess that's, I mean, that's the thing is where you kind of have to leave people to their own, like people have to make that decision themselves. And it's kind of on them to like, know if that's what they're doing or not. Um, And only they can really know their intention. It's only, it's like, honestly, between, you know, like them or God can really know what they're doing with the image. Um, But I certainly think like, culturally I think that there has in certain cultures there's definitely like some weird superstitions that have like crept in that I think we would want to the official catholic position would be against and so that's where it gets tricky like like burying a statue of saint joseph in your yard at your house as well for that that was so crazy for that. That was so, I think so, so some of those things that are really heavy in Catholic culture and even in American Catholicism, I don't want to say like, oh, it's all the other cultures, you know, like, no, there's things I see throughout, like there was in, um, and it's not only like the Latino population that are Latino cultures that do like reverencing Im- images of Mary. When I went to Lourdes, we would pray a rosary and walk around and they would carry like an, a statue of Mary around, um, which like, I'm okay with that. Uh, and I don't think that that's like veering into unhealthy worship, but I just want to like clarify that it's not like just certain cultures that do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um, that's just what you see the most in our area and in, in the United States. Um, but yeah, I, there certainly are things that I've seen at like, I went to a very Catholic university or Franciscan where there's like weird things that people have decided that is not official church teaching. It's just things that like grow in these cultures where they decide like doing this is what's going to get their prayer answered. And that's just not true. You know, like specifically doing something with a statue is not going to make God or that saint intercede for you more than if you just like prayed to them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that is something that I do see that I'm like, kind of weird <laughs> I don't know like what your mindset is with that but w- was it the one you said burying a statue of Saint Joseph yeah it was like I, th- I think this was very much pre-Vatican II my mother-in-law was telling me about this because she's in the real estate business That's and it was so like very fun. common in like way back before like post-Vatican I pre-Vatican II that people would if they were trying to sell their home would like bury a statue of saint joseph upside down in their front yard okay. and that was supposed to make it sell and i remember just asking like what exactly was the reasoning and she was like i don't know <laughs> well did it work like no you know to me i'm like well did it work <laughs> that's like there's a lot of things for like finding a husband that people do like saint stuff like that and you know i'm like oh that's weird but then you're kind of like well but did it work like <laughs> you know maybe uh <laughs> uh yeah there's some funny there's some funny things um I think that that's would not be totally like in line with I think that that's not what the church is giving free Anthony reign one. Do you to remember do? when I sent you that that was hilarious that there was, was like this so statue of Saint Anthony like holding baby Jesus and he was like on a box and it was like the whole description was like oh if you're praying for something lost put baby Jesus in the box and don't give it back to St. Anthony until he answers your prayer like holding baby Jesus hostage 
I thought that I had never seen that one before you sent that to me and I was like that is wild <laughs> I've heard of like and I, I did this when I was younger and it always worked was like praying for the his intercession to be like St. Anthony something's lost it must be found that's like a little prayer you can do um which I think he is the patron saint of lost things but then yeah that's mm-hmm. where things like that where it's like okay like that's that's I would see that as fine that's within like what the church is talking about when praying for intercession of saints and you can have a statue there if you want like the visual representation if you have a devotion to a certain saint but then like stuff like that is just so crazy because then to me it feels like you're trying to force God into your will when mm-hmm. like that's what you have to know is like what we have to know with prayer is that like we can't force God or like to do what we want or just because we pray a certain intercession, like for the intercession of a certain saint that has a devotion to a certain thing, like that doesn't necessarily mean that that we're going to get everything we want. Like that's a weird, like God is some kind of genie or the saint is like some kind of genie that can like get from God what you want. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think it can be a little weird. That's almost a little like prosperity gospel. I feel like I've heard Joel yeah, Olstein that's true. Says, that's a good point. Um, some weird stuff, obviously not involving saints because he would never, none of that kind of stuff, but just like, you know, God will give you what you want. I'm like, mm-hmm. That is like a very interesting observation though, that does kind of, it's like almost a horseshoe. <laughs> I think extreme. it's extreme. I think it's kind a of weird... more similar than they would want to admit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's a weird human thing that we do of like just wanting control and wanting what we want we all do that on some level like in our prayer and in like the way that we want to control things in life um well this is taking a turn from icons but i'm really talking about icons anymore it's but it's like the weird i think it goes along with just the weird superstitions that can grow around religious images and icons that we've seen which is why i think you have the reactionary response of people that went totally against religious images um And that's where I'm like, I don't think that that theologically has any grounding of thinking that, but I understand. Well, I haven't studied that position very well. I'll say it. So maybe someone that does have that view. Sorry if I'm caricaturing, but I understand why in history that was a view that was held because like you, if that could possibly be something that you do, like something that goes against the first commandment, which is so important not to do then like why would you even risk it kind of thing I I kind of understand that <laughs> you know yeah I think historically it's very interesting because this issue was one that like from very very early on there was debate about and yeah. very heated opinions on and you mentioned like Nicaea too pre-Nicaean fathers um like origin which <laughs> origin's funny <laughs> Because was he a heretic? I don't know. <laughs> but <laughs> Origen, um, Athanasius, I love it, Athanasius, um, like Hantius, Clement of Alexandria, those were church fathers who very much spoke against icons and imagery. And then you have like John Christostom, who was very much for icons and imagery. So you have like from very early centuries, early church fathers which is fine now there's churches to them that have a lot of images of them hey. <laughs> oh sorry sorry about that <laughs> i was even looking up so the the 81 canons on the synod of elpira canon 36 actually stated there will be no pictures in churches lest what is worshipped and adored be depicted on walls 
like very interesting because that's like very early on where the church is like, no, this should not be in church at all. And then you have like Nicaea too, which is saying like, no, articulating like the current Catholic position. So I think, I think that's why I have a respect for both sides because I think historically and traditionally you could use either one to like back you up. Mm -hmm. Um, You can cherry pick history to like fit either position. So I think that's why for me as a Protestant, I just really need to lean on scripture, which is why I'm not comfortable with venerating images because I don't see a scriptural basis for that, but I am fine with religious imagery. I should specify, I don't think I'm comfortable with images of like God the Father because he's not incarnate. Um, That was something that was like very big in Greece, I noticed, was like images of God the Father as like a man, (laughs) Um, which I was uncomfortable with because I feel like that is teaching something incorrect. Um, But I think very much the incarnation allows for images of Jesus because he is embodied and incarnate. So that, that could be like a whole other discussion, I guess. What do you think of that? I never really thought about that. Um, I, I don't think I've seen, I don't want to say they're not in Western Catholic churches because I do think, now I'm trying to think, I don't see as many images of God the Father. I do think, and that's because we really just, you know, like, how do you represent God the Father? Um, I don't think it's wrong, but I, I, because he has been, represented as a father so i and wants to be called father so i guess i i wouldn't have the same level of uncomfortability of him being presented as a man but i do get what you're saying because i do think even in my own when i'm trying to think of god the father like i picture like a man like with a beard like this old man like and and i've thought about that before because i'm like that i mean we have no idea what he looks like not a clue he wants to be called father but like does that even mean that he really looks like a man because he actually is not a man like god the father is god and it's something that we can't even comprehend or explain like he's not a woman or a man he is like he wants to be called or be referred to as a father and i almost think that was more for our human brains to be able to like refer to him or like relate to him in any way mm-hmm. because there's no way we could just be like well like what are you know like a blob or something you know like we I, we don't know and he's so outside of our comprehension (laughs) and was like you said not incarnate as jesus or these saints that were painting painting images and having statues of so you're right that i i haven't really seen i've never seen a statue of god the father in a catholic church yeah i I don't Um, think it's as common with catholics um because that was something new i was like whoa i'd never seen like images of god the father unless it was like mormon (laughs) right which... <laughs> but um <laughs> yeah and and t- i'm fine with like symbols to represent god the father right. like people do like the pillar of fire or the pillar of smoke things like that um i think that's very biblical but yeah yeah i think i'm gonna pay more attention to that in my churches because i think like it wouldn't ring alarm bells for me um like but what you just said i i also i i, I know for sure they're not as common um there's like always I mean Jesus is always you know what you see the image of and 
And Catholic churches too, which I think is different than a lot of Protestant churches is the emphasis of the crucifix and Jesus on the cross. And that's always been like the center of like Catholic churches has been. So that's always, which rightly so, because he's the one, the only one that was incarnate and that we really know came as a man. So it is okay to present him as a human man. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's always been the focus. That's certainly the focus in Catholic churches. If there are any images of like a God, the father figure, those are never the focus. Um, I would say heavily Catholic churches, it's images of Mary and Jesus. So, Mm -hmm. and then like the saints, but like the main images, you know, um, I, I've never had, have thought about that (laughs) because I don't, yeah. Like I would never have an image of God, the father in my home. I, that's not a thing that I would ever even Mm -hmm. see. I think that is a lot less common. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is a more Eastern. So I'd be interested maybe in like Eastern Rite Catholicism or something. That might be a good, but. Yeah, I would love to have that yeah. perspective too. I don't know really any Eastern Catholics. Um, there's a lot of those in, in Chicago though. That's the nice thing is you could pretty much find anyone of any beliefs here in Chicago. <laughs> so, or any kind of church. Um yeah. And what is your thought on, and I think you said that you, God could perhaps do this, which I would say it's very rare. Um, and we can't, this isn't something that's even within church teaching or like has anything to do with veneration of icons, but like that God could perhaps work miracles through images if he wanted. Was that something you said? Like, I think he could do that or maybe he has done that, yeah, but it's I, certainly not, it's not a common thing, you know? <laughs> I think, um, I would just obviously take it by like a case by case basis. Right. I would never say God couldn't do that. And I think he, he has, I mean, I think the biggest example would be the old Testament with the bronze serpent. Right. Which I think is such an interesting case actually for the Protestant position, because here was this. So the people disobeyed, they were struck with plague and then God had Moses erect the bronze serpent and if they looked up to it, then they were healed. And that's supposed to be, it's typological for Jesus being mm-hmm. put up on the cross. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very much a defense for religious imagery because it's like, oh, wow, this is pointing you towards Jesus, right? But then later you see that they have erected a high place for the bronze serpent and they're burning incense to it. And then it's destroyed. And that's seen as a good thing. Hezekiah destroys it in... Um, second Kings 18. So to me that I feel like supports my position that we're not supposed to venerate images or objects because while I think the distinction between veneration and adoration in theory is fine, I just think practically it's very much more muddled and I don't, I think as humans, tangible actions have a very big impact on what we believe and if I'm bowing and kissing and lighting candles and burning incense doing actions that communicate worship I think that's why it gets so muddied and then you do have superstitions arising and you do have people thinking that their prayers are more efficacious if they touch an image or kiss an image and so whether while that's not the correct position that's what starts to happen And I think throughout scripture, you see God is constantly calling the Israelites to look different and to be set apart from the cultures around them. And I mean, I remember in Chicago, 
in like little India, they would have processions with their Hindu God mm-hmm. and they would walk it along. And it, it it looked it looked exactly like the processions with Mary. And it would confuse Moody students because they'd be like, oh, so like that's what Catholics do. It's like, well, no, they don't. But it's like, but they do do that. And so I think it's very important that we're supposed to be set apart and not doing those actions. Mm -hmm. And the Bible is just very severe when it it talks about idolatry. It's a common thing. It is frequent that the people start to become idolatrous with images and objects. And so I think it's something we have to take really seriously and have guardrails against. And for me, I think those guardrails are we should not be bowing and kissing and praying in front of and those kind of things because it confuses us. And so my worry with the Catholic position would not be, I guess, so much in the theology itself, like you were saying, but in practice, I don't see guardrails. And that's where I have concern. Mm -hmm. And I think that's understandable. I think that that can be I've talked to even Catholics that have that concern. Um, I guess for me, I I totally see that position. And I think where we would disagree is I just think it can be done right. So it shouldn't be completely like, oh, let's wash out the baby with the (laughs) bathwater. I was like, I'm not going to use that phrase. And then I I did. Um, Yeah, I think that I just see how it can be done so well and really aid in your worship because I've personally experienced that and seen that, um, that I just, I just, yeah, I guess it's just less of a concern for me, especially being raised around that and having that proper understanding, but I certainly can see the position of being very uh, wary of that. And especially like being around Moody students who, think oh that's what Catholics do and then my answer would be oh but they just need to be better educated and they obviously were raised in a context where they didn't learn about that so if that's the first thing they're seeing that's going to be very weird and jarring um so yeah but I I totally get that position I think for me it's just it just has never been like a concern to me I think because I think it can be done so well and it can be so like such a good aid in prayer. Um, I like find it very powerful to bow between before, like there's this cross and in our church and I also have to send a picture so we can put it up in the video, but I like, I just find it so powerful to like be able to go up to that cross and like it's hanging up. So all you can do is touch Jesus's feet and like just putting my hands like on his feet and like my head and like just like praying to that image, like not, oh my God, I'm even saying like praying to that image, but praying with that image of Jesus because like I can't touch Jesus. I can't like see actually Jesus on the cross. I can't be with G Je- like I can't, there's so many things like as humans, like we want to be able to touch, but just like being able to be and like put my head at the foot of like the cross, this image of Jesus on the cross and like pray there is like just so powerful to me. And it's like, yes, there's nothing in that image. And like, I know that, but it's like me, a way an aid I can use to try to connect to the suffering Christ on the cross and like connect my suffering to Jesus on the cross. Um, And I do think that that would be a more like a thing that maybe even Protestants would be more open to because it's Jesus, (laughs) you know, like that. But that's just like an example for me of where I think it can be so beautiful and so useful to 
us as humans, um, like the other way of how I think there can be dangers, but also how it can be so, um, like so efficacious in our prayers, not saying that it makes like the prayers more powerful, but it's more for me internally, like me being able to spiritually feels like this connection to like Jesus suffering on the cross because I can't touch Jesus. And like, I think we've all felt like, I wish I could just like be with Jesus and like touch Jesus. And like, so just like getting your head and like a mental place of like being able to really connect with that figure that is being represented by that icon, especially when it's like, which is even different than icons, like a statue that I can like touch like this, the feet of the statue of Jesus, you know? Um, so I think that's where I just see, like, we have a lot of sacramentals or, like, things in the Catholic Church that can be these, like, visual representations of these, like, unseen realities. And, like, that's how I kind of feel when it comes to icons is it's a way to try to connect because we can't, like, even the saints are married, like, we can't hang out with them. We can't touch them. We can't hug them. We can't um, physically be with them. And I think that's it's something that's, like, very hard. Mm-hmm. Um I hear Christians say this all the time. Like it would be so much easier if I could like be with Jesus and touch Jesus and like see Jesus. And so it's things like this that I think can be a good, um, not that there's any power in the image, but it can be helpful in within just your own disposition to like feel like more connected to that person. So more of like, it's like an aid in prayer. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's not that your prayers are more efficacious in that way. It's like more like just me and my inner disposition. It helps me get into a better position to be with Jesus. And I think like, yeah, that's probably the most powerful one for me has been mm-hmm. like that statue of Jesus and like, just being able to like, like just go and like touch his and just like weep literally. And you should see me sometimes in this church. I'm like, well, things are not going well. <laughs> I'm like crying under this statue of Jesus. Um, and that's why it's like sad to me that there's certain churches that would be like, Nope, I don't want to see Jesus. I don't want to see any images of him. Um, <clears throat> Or that it would be wrong to go up and like touch or kiss the feet of this image. Um, So I think I can just see how beautiful and how good it can be. Um, And I do think that sadly, as humans, there's like no way to perfectly guard against the ways that we misuse. And I think we could say that about a lot of things. There's a lot of practices, even in Protestantism and other things where we've just seen humans have just gone the wrong way with it. (laughs) Or they have like, well, this teaching and Protestantism, like, well, they took that, they went a whole other way with it. Like, it doesn't mean you throw out the practice or the teaching. Um, But I, yeah. So I think that, I just think that there's good reasons for that you can venerate icons and that it shouldn't be completely um, forbidden, I guess. Well, and Um, I I think that's why I'm not an iconoclast. And I do think it is so important to have religious imagery because like you were saying, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because I do see how valuable and important it is. Um, I just see those guardrails being the distinction between using it for teaching inspiration versus veneration. Right. Um, Yeah, I get that. I think I I would just disagree because I think you should be able to like go up and touch and like be with the image and Maybe some people would say, well, I don't see that as venerating. Um, it's also something that here is like the different signs of veneration can be so subjective or different too. Um, yeah. So I guess that's that's where we would disagree is like the level mm-hmm. of which you can reverence or venerate the image. Um, 
not that so that we don't like caricature your position it's not that we can't have those images you know it's like you wouldn't have an issue with having that church in that cross in your church you know Mm -hmm. um yeah I think yeah just my response would be I think that veneration can be such a powerful and beautiful aid in prayer and make your inner disposition and like prayer deeper and so yeah that's where I think it would be sad for me to not be able to venerate images but I think it's important to say like the Catholic position is not that you have to or that your Mm -hmm. prayers are more efficacious if you do and I think that that could be even be a lesson for some Catholics listening because there could be some people that don't even realize that they do think that (laughs) um yeah there's a lot of weird things I had learned about that people were doing like statues and images I was like what in the what in the world what? <laughs> yeah what wait a second um but yeah I also I totally get and I think I've even talked to Catholics that are like yeah I think that sometimes it just goes too far it's weird and even if they're not you know doing something unhealthy like it can look very weird um and I I also really think that that's a good point of it being it can look similar to the way that pagan gods are like before Jesus you know the way they worship their gods um that it can look similar to that. So I do think that's something to keep in mind or to have like an understanding of why Protestants would be so like, that makes sense to me. I don't want to be like, oh, they're being ridiculous. Like they're just being haters, you know, or something like, it can make sense. (laughs) Like why that you would want to guard against that. Yeah, I think that's what leads to a good faith conversation is to be able to like put yourself in the shoes of the other side and see, because I can totally understand why it would be so powerful and I think your experiences venerating images are completely valid and real and it's because it's so powerful that I'm cautious Mm -hmm. and that would just be where we're different um but I don't I don't think that like Mm. what you're experiencing when you're touching Jesus on the cross is like not aiding your faith Mm-hmm. or it necessarily like oh it means like oh you're worshiping that right statue. exactly yeah. or that it means nothing like no I do think that's yeah. very powerful mm-hmm. yeah so I think yeah I think it's um I think it's weird when it becomes like this huge issue between Catholics and Protestants <laughs> yeah I just see it as so I, I shouldn't say secondary but in a lot of ways like, it's just not, I, I just think it's funny in my Catholic brain. I'm like, I don't even think about it. It's just like, there's so many other, I think, really big issues and disagreements that would be more like pressing to me. But I do think it's important to to talk about. Um, all I, I think like you were saying at the beginning, going back to like the actual Catholic teaching is right. very modest. Mm-hmm. But then you have, like we were saying, um, just naturally as humans we are reactionary so then you have protestants who have a problem with it and so then they go further and they're like remove all images so then catholics react as well and they're like not only should we have images but i'm gonna bury saint joseph in my yard and that's gonna have some like you know and so like they both just go extreme and both extremes are wrong like you should not go into a catholic church and start smashing all their images that would be horrible so (laughs) I think like you were saying, it's just so important to go back to what is the actual teaching? Let's start there. If we want to talk about, 
you know, bad practices, then yeah, that's a different conversation. But when it comes down to the actual disagreement, it's rather small. Right, right. And that would be different for me with a different Protestant. Or maybe you're going to encounter a Catholic that's like way more, right? I don't know, you know, passionate about this issue. I don't know. Um, all I know, Megan, is the next time I come over, I'm going to like kiss that statue of Jesus behind yeah. you, or the picture that I got you. You're going to walk in. And I'll be like, Becky, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I'm just praying <laughs> to this icon. <laughs> well, everyone, I hope that this maybe was enlightening. Um, I think it's good to hear a more, a less extreme Protestant position, because I do think it represents a lot of Protestants mm-hmm. um, and to not have the idea that all Protestants think like this one. <laughs> uh this very certain view of icons and if i think it could be helpful to protestants that maybe thought catholics had a different view um but yeah let us know if there's anything else i think we did want to talk about relics which i wanted to separate those because i do just think relics are very unique and deserve some yeah we did have them together and then the google doc was getting real long guys (laughs) like especially when i started responding i was like whoa this is like just relics (laughs) in general were addressed at a different time in history in the church and Mm -hmm. and they are just weird they're weird so i feel like we had to address those separately i think we want to talk about relics next because they are very bizarre uh yeah yeah should we make a super clickbaity thumbnail for this video (laughs) idolatry (laughs) didn't we do that with one of the Mary ones (laughs) yeah I will say relics are little they deserve some more explanation there's some weird stuff that people have done with relics and and they're just weird it's like the other there's there was this traveling um it was like a bone from Saint Jude that was traveling around churches and um yeah I mean I incorruptible bodies Oh, and yeah. Oh, yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah. And I I mean, I went up and, you know, I prayed before it and um, asked for my intercessions, you know, to St. Jude and all that asked for my my prayer requests and all that. But even me standing in that line, I was like, kind of weird. <laughs> this is weird. My foot Megan was in St. John Cantus and you took me to see the foot. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was crazy. I would love to get one of those priests to come on and talk about relics. We should I actually should try to do that. After we talk about it, because I think, but then maybe having like someone, a priest that has relics all over his church, that would be cool. Do you remember whose foot it was? No, I <laughs> honestly, I like relics, but I, I don't find them to be so like necessary. I think it'd be cool to have one, but I honestly, I do think they're weird. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, am I going to pray before one if it's there? Yeah, why not? I'm like, okay. Yes. Um, but <laughs> it's not something I was really introduced to back in my upbringing. That was, that's not something that's as common uh, in just your regular old like Catholic church in a Midwest small town. That's mm-hmm. not something that you're as much going to see. Uh, that was very much a thing that I got. I saw more at Franciscan, which is very like the university I went to, which is in my hometown, but that's just its own culture and then when i came to chicago there's a lot of that a lot of relics everywhere so yeah yeah well stay tuned for that guys talk about dead people's body parts stay tuned (laughs) spooky music
You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.